0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, I've got a wake-up call for you. It, it sure woke me up, at least. I mean, we all have a digital personality, and we don't realize it. We look at text, email, and even video, such as Zoom, as communication tools. But as Erica Duan tells us in this episode, over 70% of our business communications electronic instead of face-to-face. So 70% of our relationships are formed and maintained digitally. Erica says our digital body language is either helping or hurting every relationship that we have. If you look at the next text or email as simply a method to deliver a message and not as a human interaction, you're missing out. If you think your all caps or your exclamation points or your brevity or your emojis or whatever are sufficient, you're about to be schooled. And ultimately it comes down to this, continue doing it as you have or realize there's a far greater opportunity for your work and life success. If you listen to what we're going to showcase here and hear how you can make some key adjustments and use every text, email, or zoom to solidify and enhance your relationships and significantly increase your success, you can connect with Erica at Erica Dewan. That's D H A W A N.com. Or you can find her new book, digital body language, wherever you buy books. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is The Ziegler Show. It's ranked number one right now in all time career podcasts and Apple podcasts. And our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My motive podcast is devoted to the reasons that drive you. In episode 30, I talk about the big achievements of our lives and how important they are to our motivation, how they help fuel the rest of our lives from deathbed regrets to bucket lists. It's not just about the achievement itself, but what it means to us. That's episode 30 of the motive podcast. My true life podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. In episode 73, we teach you how to breathe. Yeah, I figured I pretty much had that one down pat and hearing that now that I'm breathing wrong also along with so many other things was a little frustrating but ultimately there's an opportunity to increase our wellness by adjusting some of our breathing habits, normally using our nose for breathing, not our mouth. That's episode 73 of my True Life podcast. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts by searching Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell.
0: like your story on how you came into this authentically. And I want to talk about that, but even in looking at our communication skills overall and nonverbal where you started. So I just got back from a run as I do almost every day, a run or a ride, and I'm out there on the sidewalk or on the trail and you pass people and you're within you know, feet of them. And I'm just so, um, gosh, I don't want to be negative, but it just feels so heartbreaking that people don't even smile. And I feel like, here, Point number one, if you want some, some value here, is that it feels like this whole aspect of communication, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, digital, is somewhat of a lost art, and, which is why you're on the show bringing our attention back to I, I, what I want people to hear is what they're missing, which I feel like is what you outline in your book so well.
1: Absolutely. Kevin, I I grew up as a shy and introverted girl. My parents were Indian immigrants. So at home, we spoke... Hindi and Punjabi. And at school, that meant I had accented English. And I remember being a kid, I didn't know Hindi that well either. I would watch Bollywood movies at home. And I didn't know exactly what the actors and actresses were saying in Hindi, but I could study their body language to know exactly what they meant. I knew what furrowed brows meant. I knew what that direct eye contact, I knew what a smile, what a handshake meant. And these symbols were really allowed all of us to understand it's not just what people say, it's how they say it. I remember being, uh, you know, at school growing up in, you know, a neighborhood outside of Pittsburgh. And because I was so shy, I would often observe others' body language to understand the norms around me. I would study how the popular girls had their heads high, their shoulders back, the the cool kids were slouching during school assemblies. Of course. And And it really allowed me to understand how much body language... Shapes how we sense make others and how we engage that, you know, caused me to become passionate about this skill and become an expert in nonverbal body language. But about, I would say, five years ago, Kevin, I started to see what you're talking about. I would see the constant looking down at our phones in business meetings and how that was actually interrupting creative flow. I saw more of the lack of direct eye contact or individuals even missing the lean in in a sales conversation. And what we all knew of as traditional body language was just so critical was actually being affected by our digital world. That's what really led me to start to study the importance of digital body language. And I think The lost art of communicating is understanding that body language hasn't just disappeared in a digital world. It is transformed. We have to learn how to bring it back in a changed world.
0: And that's it. The lost art. I mean, we, you know, we hear so often the soft skills that corporations are saying. We don't see those in this younger generation, especially though. I appreciate people talking more and more about those aren't soft skills. Those are necessary skills. I think I saw you write something to that effect as well. And this one with how we communicate and you know, whether it's again, whether it's face to face, like you and I are, that's why I do zoom. So I can see the verbal cues and see you and make that connection. But even if we're on the phone and it's the, you can at least hear the tone, you know, and the attitude. And now how does that translate into digital? Because it's important that this is, and yet your initial preoccupation with body language, I, I mean, so this is the Ziggler show. This is, you know, sales is number one. That was Zig Zigler was, you know, the King of sales. And we learned that uh, how to do You know, proper body language to connect with people, to get their trust, to uh to have that bond. And hopefully people know that. I mean, we're not gonna go through all that would be a show just in and of itself. So you became a pro in that, which I love. You became that because of the natural aspect of how your childhood developed and where you came from, your parents and whatnot. But now I think you cited in the book that 70% of our communication is digital, and yet whoever took a class. I mean, it's a really, again, that's why you're on the show, digital body language. Where does that taught at nowhere? We have no, well, now we do. Thank you. <laughs> but that is, it's tremendous. And I don't think we grasp the enormity of how much of our communication has gone over here and we have no training.
1: Just like I was an immigrant to learning traditional body language as a kid, today we are all immigrants to the world of digital body language. This is like learning a new language when we go to a foreign country. But it is not a foreign country. It is our world here to stay. And in many ways, sales has always been about having gregarious, strong, assertive, confident traditional body language. But now we have to master being able to show that virtual executive presence, being able to connect in a world where we have no perfect direct eye contact. I may be looking into the camera as I'm I'm talking to you. Kevin, you may be looking at me. I can't read all of your cues in the world of screen freezes and echo delays. We can miss uh, engagement signals in conversations. We can even uh, struggle with reading the lean in in a conversation. And these were cues that were critical to sales knowledge in the last 30 years, but now we have to upgrade them for a different context altogether.
0: Well, and it again, got me thinking, uh, we had these when it's verbal, when it's face to face or even zoom, we get the benefit of that. It's not quite the same, but we get the benefit of that. So if we are trying to connect with somebody, whether it's your spouse or your kid or an employer or, or a customer, okay, we got that. And then we moved so much of it to phone And which I don't like, I have a hard time with audio processing in general, but at least you get the person's tone and attitude and laughter or, you know, downtrodden voice or, or whatnot. And now over here, yeah, you talking about, it is a different language and in going through your book and your studies, that reality that there's, how do you, you lose emotion. And with that, it's just. What, you lose everything it, it's so difficult and that's what drew me in and going okay so how do i because i don't think i'm doing it well either how do i convey emotion well well you just go there because there's so many different veins of that but just there is that what is that what you see is that the primary thing we're missing then is the emotion
1: i think that technology does create masks And, you know, we can be more tone deaf instead of tone deft. And we have to bring that level of nuance, tone and emotion back. And there are principles around how to do it that I think are important. First of all, I think we have to be conscious to never confuse a brief message with a clear message. I'll give you an example. One of my clients sent a no subject calendar invite to one of her team members for a quick meeting on a Friday morning at 8 a.m. He thought he was about to get fired. There had been budget cuts that week, and it can be easy with the lack of context to assume the worst. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. second thing we have to do is understand people can't read our mind, even with punctuation and symbols. For some, an OK in all caps with exclamation points feels like shouting. For others, it feels like excitement. And for others, it feels like urgency. Yeah. And, and yeah. so understanding these cues are important. Another one is we have to hold our horses, understand that less haste equals more speed. It can be easy to reward the fastest person who jumps into an email or the quickest person to share on a video call. And that often causes us to prioritize speed over thoughtfulness. So taking that extra moment to truly slow down to create a space for everyone to speak up will actually ensure that we're using digital body language thoughtfully versus in a hasty way.
0: Well, that that word thoughtfully, I mean, if we're saying I mean, because overall, you're saying, look, communication is. Paramount. It's, you know, kind of back to the, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, I feel like even more than that, it's not even even more than that is how you communicate. And you're saying, okay, first off, we've got to bring the gravity back to how much our communication matters for our overall success. Because it's easy for me to ask, you know, basic questions, black and white pillar questions like, okay, so, you know, text emails. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be too curt if I'm trying to be brief, but if I'm too long, uh, you know, what should I do? And, and I would assume you're saying, well, it depends. You've got to feel out the person and we're back to the individualized communication, understanding that person and really checking in, which again, over here on the digital world, I've never really heard anyone speak to until you, but it brings us back just to the, we did a show recently on sales and there's a quote that, Zig Ziglar says, if you have a product or service that you feel can benefit somebody, it is your moral obligation to sell it. Well, Tom Ziegler, Zig Son said, well, then by proxy, it's your moral obligation then to become proficient at sales. So you can and here saying, if we're going to be communicating with people, I hear you saying it is our moral obligation. That's a big you know word, but if you want to be successful and do it well, you have to become a great communicator, no matter what it is, but especially over here, if 70% of our Content communication is digital, and we don't have any teaching on that. It's a voice That's
1: right. So let me give you some examples of how Please. this applies to the modern day salesperson. If you want to get ahead, if you want to stand out in sales and marketing. So number one, let's talk, let's talk about the different channels, email. I recommend and in my new book. I talk about this emails are visual people read them like websites up and down. For example, did you have a clear subject line that really makes or breaks whether people even open your email today. Did you have a response time in there if you needed something back quickly in your body of your email. Did you get to the point quickly whether it's bold underline headings understand that people read like a website in the body of emails. And that can even make or break whether you get that first meeting or or whether you don't. And whereas before we may have relied on our traditional body language, on calling people instantly, we are upgrading. Whereas email now and video calls are actually more common than face-to-face meetings and phone calls. I'll say phone calls are very common and and I'm a big fan. I like to say picking up the phone is worth a thousand emails. But at, at the end of the day, we have to understand how critical our written communication is. Now, when we go to video calls, one thing that um, many sales teams I've been working with have been doing is when they're doing a prospect meeting with someone new, they will zoom in an existing client to talk for five minutes to the prospect about how much they love their product or service. And then they zoom out, they're in for five minutes of the pitch meeting. This would have never happened in the traditional coffee sales meeting. Uh, it, you know, physically, it just wouldn't happen. But today, we can actually leverage the fact that we're not as geographically biased and bring anyone into the room to actually deepen trust. So my recommendation is to think about digital body language creatively. How can you engage more quickly? At the same time, there are also some basic rules, such as what's your first video, first impression? Even before that, your meeting calendar invite, clear, concise, to the point, actually showcases that first impression that we make within the first seven milliseconds of meeting someone face-to-face. And then at the end of the meeting, sending that quick email recap within 30 minutes of the meeting, I like to say is a new virtual handshake. If you send it even two days later, it doesn't feel like a handshake. It feels like a long gone <laughs> discussion. So simple awareness that there are new cues and signals and how we use them will make or break engagement in the changed world we're living in. I
0: mean, is it Fair to, well, or, or so somebody's hearing this and they're saying, cause I, cause I looked at, you know, in reading through your book, I almost felt like to some extent you could take your message or your, you know, your advocacy of this and say, okay, so if I'm going to do well in this digital communication world, I have to become a great writer. Is that going too far or is that valid?
1: I would argue that we have to become proficient or fluent in digital body language. Now, being a great writer in the past uh, or being a professional writer is actually a bit different. Uh, You know, great writers have perfect grammar, punctuation, you know, have fluid storytelling. That isn't exactly what we need in the world of email and the world of video calls. Uh, I actually talk about, you know, how there's four key principles uh, or I call them four laws of digital body language that are much more what I call being a great communicator in today's age. Writing is an essential skill, but in many ways, writing clearly and writing concisely is the new empathy. So knowing okay. how to do both at the same time is is the critical skill to be able to get ahead and get heard.
0: What about mirroring in that aspect because you know that was a sales 101 I got way back and probably some Dale Carnegie course you know if you're sitting across the table and and somebody leans in you lean in if they sit back cross their legs do that and how people like that I mean you could take that here yet if I've got somebody who's one of those text or email and they're very uh, I'm going to use the word curt they're very concise but they're just blunt uh, and that can come across wrong as you talk about in the book I could take that and go, okay, so I'm just going to mirror and do the same thing back. But my fear is that you're still going to have the problems that are inherent when you do that and don't follow some of your, you know, primary points of communication. So is, is that relevant that it's not always, don't always just mirror. There are still some tenets that if you want to do it well, you should still follow anyways.
1: That's right. Uh, You know, mirroring was a uh, very common lesson for all of us learning traditional body language signals for much of our lives. If we apply it in the digital world, I I would argue that, you know, many ways we are always answering two questions that should shape whether we should mirror back in digital body language or we shouldn't. The first question is, uh, who has more or less power? If you're the individual that has higher power, and maybe you're trying to build more connection, social connection with a younger teammate or someone you've met for the first time, it might actually be good to mirror them, to build that connection. If you have less power, you may want to err on the side of formality at the beginning before you deepen your relationship. The second question that guides whether to mirror or not is how much do we trust each other? Are we longtime colleagues, or is this a client or customer I've worked with for years, or is this an initial sales meeting. And again, I think both of those cause us to understand when to mirror and when not to. And again, I the other thing that's important is, in, I talk about how there are different individuals with different digital body language styles, almost like Myers-Briggs, but for yeah. a digital world. So on one end, we have what I call digital natives. These are those that are texting, IMing, quick, to the point. They'll probably never listen to a voicemail, but they may send a voice note. On the other end, Kevin, are digital adapters. These yeah. are the individuals that still feel like immigrants to our new country of remote work. They are really only who just want to get on the phone or meet in person, they more reluctance with new technology. To give you an example, my father is a digital adapter. When he sends me a text, it starts with Dear Erica and ends with Love Dad. And I have to scroll through it because it's as long as a letter. He's 75 years old and he doesn't quite know that a text is not the same as a handwritten note, but it's just an example how we're different. And so, you know, the general rule is, you know, if you're trying to build connection and you know that that potential prospect is not good at responding to email, but will respond to your text, knowing to connect in a way that best resonates with them. That's using good digital body language. At the same time, you know, if they're using multiple symbols and emojis or or are the reverse, know when to be yourself too. I think this is, you know, we shouldn't have to lose our authentic style. At the same time, being conscious of when to err on the side of formality is important.
0: You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode with Erica Dewan on digital body language. Again, you can connect with Erica at Erica Duan, D-H-A-W-A-N.com and find her book, Digital Body Language, wherever you buy books. Next, I divulge that I've never used emojis and I ask her opinion on them as I realize they do help communicate emotion. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Yahoofinance.com. Almost a question in that in regards to like emojis. You talk about that in there. I have never used an emoji in my entire life because <laughs> when it initially came out, it felt like, oh, that's something that a teenager or a little kid would do. And yet now I realize that so many of the texts and emails I get professionally have emojis. And, and I gotta admit, I'm just it's still not in my I haven't added that to my language, but you cite those. I don't know if you're advocating for an emoji, but you are saying, look, we're trying to find ways to express emotion. That is one way. Is that fair to say?
1: That's right, Kevin. So similar to the way words like super and my bad and awesome – We're not just colloquial words that we use with our friends. They started to be used in the workplace. We've kind of upgraded to that where the emoji has become not only something that teenagers in Japan use, they pervade corporate America and they're used by CEOs and new employees and mid-level managers to infuse nuance or tone. And I I generally like to describe emojis as the new facial expressions because you you can be happy, you can be sad, you can be grateful, you can be angry through the power of your facial expressions, even just by the power of your mouths. We can signal these things in a face-to-face traditional body language world. And, and so my general rule of thumb uh, when it comes to emojis is think before you emoji. Uh, so if this is, if there's you know, a high tr- power and trust gap, maybe know when not to, but when to use them to showcase who you are, create that sense of engagement. I'll never forget one leader uh, who said, I'll never forget the moment with my team that I switched from the exclamation point to the emoji. And it felt like Mm. a new level of connection with them. And they were more young, younger team members. But I I think that, again, um, my encouragement would be dare to use an emoji, Kevin, you know, try it out, but also be authentic to yourself. And again, on the other side, make sure that you're not reading into someone else's messages if they're using these symbols uh, and you're not used to them or you're not using them as much. In fact, There are some gender dynamics at play. One study showed that a younger woman in the workplace that used multiple emojis in an email compared to a man at any rank level in that company, the younger woman would be seen as incompetent. The man at any level would be seen more as casual or friendly. And so I'm a big fan of breaking those biases. So, you know, women don't need to feel pressure to use a lot of that language if they don't want to. And men can dare to use them and try. And so I think what's critical is for us to be aware that these signals exist, that we subconsciously make impressions of others and to check our bias and assume good intent.
0: Well, yeah. As I think about that as with people that do, even my family, I've got, you know, family text groups and older and younger amongst that. And uh, it was sarcasm, especially if somebody types back, you know, that's great. We can take that either way. So now I'm, I'm getting used to seeing that's great. And it has a, you know, emoji that's, you know, actually a smile or one that's literally a frown or one that's kind of the Straight mouth across that, and you get the context, or you get the tone, I guess. And
1: similar to our voice intonation, yes. If I say that's great, like when I'm really, it sounds passive aggressive. Versus that's great, where I'm genuine and excited. And I think what's interesting, you know, you're talking about texting Kevin. In many ways, the emoji has replaced the fact that a period at the end of a text for some people can feel a bit off-putting because it's meant to be a casual channel. And one study that showed that a period at the end of a text for certain Americans will feel like you're angry or mad, for others will feel like it's just good punctuation. And the fact huh. that the rules have changed. And that is another reason why emojis are so common in text messages or chat and IMing tools. That's
0: so funny. I'm looking back at a text with you and I actually did put a, peri- I put a period on one of the, on the end of one and, and, and on another. And I,
1: I, I, I assumed good intent.
0: <laughs> I have no idea why I did that. Now exclamation points. I think I do that plenty. I'm the king of the dot, dot, dot. And i never thought about it. I just am. And somebody called me out. They said, yeah, your first book, Kevin should just be dot, 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 because you do that at the end of most every sentence. I don't know why I, I tend to write conversationally. I don't know what that. So maybe you could tell me what that says about. Yeah, me.
1: I can tell you exactly. I have a breakdown in my book around what does the ellipses mean, the dot dot dot. And what I think is important for all of us to know is that older people use them differently than younger people. Okay. Uh, and that's what the research shows. So for you know, those that are older professionals that have grown up in the world of professional writing and traditional body language, dot 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 can be casual, maybe. <laughs> an omission of information, continuing a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But but in the world, especially for digital natives who grew up in the world of AOL Instant Messenger and BRB, uh, dot, dot, dot actually signals passive aggressiveness or uh, someone being upset or alert. And I have a story in in the book about uh, an older leader who on a Friday sent a response about a deliverable to his younger teammate saying, let's discuss dot, dot, dot. And that younger teammate was anxious all weekend <laughs> before yeah. Monday because he thought he did something wrong. In fact, that leader was just trying to be casual and grateful.
0: I, I I will clarify a lot of times if I feel that, like, I mean, I do not know. And I'm, I am one of those kind of on the people pleasing side. I don't like conflict or something. So if I feel that I'll, I'll try to clarify, but you talked about, you've mentioned casual multiple times and One thing that I had become aware of, really in helping other people who really were worried about a communication, and I I said, you know, it seems like, not seems like, it is, people treat this digital communication similar to being in a car, and you will often act towards somebody in an aggressive way or or whatever, in a way that you would never do uh, face-to-face, and people are, we know that with social media, people are free to, you know, spout whatever. They'd be so much more tactful face to face. So it feels like in that sense, and you speak to this, that I mean, there's a lot of in this digital aspect specifically, even more grace is needed than normal communication. Yes.
1: I think that we have to show radical recognition in a way, because what was implicit in traditional body language has to be explicit in our digital body language. And it very much shows up. There is a study called the online disinhibition effect that shows that when we are communicating behind a screen versus in person, yeah. we are much, much less likely on the recipient side to feel empathy from that person, even with the same body language signals, you know, on video versus in, in a room. And we are more likely to forego formalities to either mask what we think or send more passive aggressive uh, messages. We don't know if someone on the other side, especially on a phone call or in an email, if they're on the verge of tears or they're extremely excited. And obviously, if we were face to face, we would adjust our cues based on that. And and I think that that is a big challenge. So as part of that, we have to take extra steps, whether that's, um, you know, as a leader, taking that extra step to give credits where it's due, be radically recognize others at the beginning of meetings, share who did a great job. Don't just write the THX period email. That's like an acknowledgement of an email. It's not a thank you anymore. We've also upgraded from that. So taking those extra steps to be explicit in your gratitude and your acknowledgement and how you're feeling. And if you're upset, knowing how to share that in a way that's not a passive aggressive, vague email where people aren't on the same page, picking up the phone, uh, having those candid dialogues is incredibly important.
0: You use that word explicit. Would it be Would you advocate, uh, saying this is a place with this digital communication, it is a place to, would you, would you want to give permission or even advocate people to further clarify? Like, don't be afraid to clarify if you're left with that text or that email and you're not sure of the emotion or you are projecting an emotion and, you know, feeling especially a negative feeling to be more apt to clarify and not be afraid of doing so.
1: One of my clients sent a text message to his boss that said, do you want to speak Wednesday or Thursday? And his boss's response was, yes.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Now, what do you do in that situation? The high stakes meeting, you're rushed. You know, you know, your boss is about to go into a big meeting and you're not going to get an answer for another hour. Uh, You know, this is an example of the daily challenges uh, we feel because we are living in a culture where often we're not taking that extra step to be clear instead of just brief. And it's natural. It, you know, the 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 reality is we have to take that extra second to think before we type. but if if for that that individual that was on the receiving end of the yes, my my recommendation is, if there is high trust, ask for clarity immediately. Don't waste time, just get to the point. If there is low trust, maybe know which channel to use. If there's this is a someone you've never met before, instead of sending that w- another email, maybe knowing to have that quick, ca- candid conversation or clarification on the video call or on the phone call that's coming next. Again, power dynamics. Is this someone where you have to schedule a call with their assistant to get on their calendar? Or is yeah. this someone you can just text to get Good clarification. And again, knowing those power and trust dynamics will help you know which digital signals to use.
0: Well, so on that, you mentioned earlier, you said something about the phone, you know, the phone is worth a thousand te- emails. emails. There you go. I mean, it's also that,
1: worth a thousand texts. Okay.
0: Well, so on, on that though, cause I could hear people getting this message and saying, well, yeah, let's just try to minimize the digital body language and do more phone do more zoom, which I get, but I, I, to some extent, well, like here, you know, so on, on, on shows like this, where I'm doing it with somebody, this is recorded. We're doing this to produce a great show. I want to see you. I won't do it. Otherwise, if somebody says, no, it's going to be a phone on there. Let's just, we're not going to do it. Do go do, do another show just because I can't get as much value out of that. But when you get to texts and phones, you actually talk about it in the book about somebody who's kind of a phonophobe. I really am. I, if if unless it's an emergency, I would just rather not. And I'm doing it selfishly for my own time. Period. Uh, and so, if somebody's saying, well, "Gosh, can we cut that out?" There's going to be a lot of people who just know that they're not going to. It's going to happen digitally. You just got to deal with that. Thus, the reason you've got the book on how to. I mean, yeah, if you can minimize it, great. But for the most part, we just all need to learn this language.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think. I'll share the story about a a friend of mine, Alyssa, and what she deems as her phone phobia and talk about how we all navigate this. So Alyssa is in uh, her her 40s. She is a CEO coach. And, uh, you know, we were starting to get to know each other. We became friends and um, we were scheduling a dinner. And this was our first uh, meeting where we were going to meet in person together, just the two of us. And, you know, we scheduled a time and then I had to cancel. I had to reschedule. So I sent her an email and we rescheduled. And then, you know, maybe a week later, I realized something else popped up. This is a world of busy travel a few years ago. And then I had to reschedule again. And then finally, something else popped up. And I said, I cannot send her a third email. We don't have high trust yet. Let me give her a quick phone call. And just say, I'm so sorry. Can you do this other time? Because I don't want to be that obnoxious person rescheduling the third time. And so I give her a call out of the blue. She doesn't answer. And, uh, you know, I leave a message because I'm old school at heart in some ways. Um, And, I get this text back a few hours later saying did something happen with multiple question marks yeah. and she finally admitted to me when we had dinner that she when she gets phone calls out of the blue it must be an emergency it must Ooh. be alarming and for me especially because I think I grew up in a very pick up the phone culture and a lot of my clients pick up the phone uh, it it was something that I was doing out of a sense of sensitivity to our relationship
0: right so
1: at the end of the day uh, I'm big fan that there is a lost art to the phone conversation and it can be incredibly beneficial but understand as i said earlier there are digital natives to digital adapters digital natives don't want phone calls out of the blue they grew up in a culture where you schedule it on their calendar uh you know whereas digital adapters it's they they are one saying why are my natives not picking up the phone like why are they sending one more email so Take that extra second to acknowledge that there are different styles. And if you're in sales, know how to connect with those that are different from you. If you're not going to get a response, um, if they really want to do a phone call, know how to adjust to their style and also know when not to because of the nature of the complexity of the conversation. And my general rule is, you know, if it's high complex knowing when to get on a phone or video call is important if it's low complex if it's a yes or no answer or a quick decision do not schedule a phone call do not have a video call i think that's a big reason why we have so much zoom fatigue right now is because we're trying to force a lot of meetings some of them could be emails some of them could be thoughtful messages and we're diverting that everything has to be a 30-minute meeting and i also fight that. Do not have 30 or 60 minute meetings when it could be 10 minute meetings. I've had three 10 minute meetings in a 30 minute increment. So use your creativity here to flex your muscles. And, and again, it's not about just all moving to phone and video is better because that's not the answer. We're all fatigued from that. It's actually knowing when to use each channel and when to change the channel.
0: I mean, you know, as we talk about this, Eric, I mean, it, it feels so I, I guess I am, I'm 50. I'm not a digital native. I have adapted, you know, to this and coming from, especially with the, you know, just sales and, and communication overall, the value of that, it feels like you're, you're drawing people or one of the rally cries here that I get from the book and talking to you is if I look at, I was going to pick up my phone. I don't have it here, but um, if I pick up, you know, if look at text, Look at email that we think of those. If you ask somebody what are those things, they would say those are communication tools, they're methods of communication. Yeah. And you're saying those are relationship tools. And that's yes. what we're missing. Is that is that can I put that as a banner yeah, you over the nailed
1: this? it? Okay. <laughs> you nailed it. These are relationship tools. These are um these are not digital platforms. Right. The, you know, I even hate the word tools. These are relationship makers or breakers.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And, and it is our responsibility. Uh, you know, if we want to lead, if we want to sell and market in today's age to know how to use them and how to use them effectively.
0: It's almost like the digital stage. So if we have somebody who does, you know, whether you're in sales or not, I mean, we're all, as, as everybody who listens to the show knows Zig, you know, says we're all in sales because we all want to influence other people. So if we want to do that and we're going to do that face to face, we know, Oh, hopefully somebody has been privy to that, that there are, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, there are the nonverbal cues and, and talking to somebody face to face. Then we, I remember way back in the day, phone etiquette type things that happened, yeah. And now we have, uh, well, and then, then let's go to the stage. Cause a lot of people in this audience have heard, I've had people on the show, like Pete Vargas, who talks about, Hey, here is how to command a stage. Here is the methodology to be successful on a stage in front of people, whether that's in front of a Ted talk, you know, audience, virtual or, or, or not. Um, and now you're showcasing, this is a digital stage. If you want to succeed here, I I literally just never thought about that. I mean, again, I was enamored with the books. I thought, yeah, I've seen the negative side really of how the digital communication can hurt us because it's missing so much but have never seen much gravity given to this is a stage. I kind of like that. This is a stage, a digital stage that you're going to make or break relationships on and you can't get away from it. So you're saying one, we need to be a student of this stage. And then, you know, of course, to the person to cater to them. And you talked about that. And I like you talking about the power dynamics and whatnot, but that we need to be a, you're, who doesn't at this point, then, I mean, you should be, in schools, and in the business world as well.
1: I'll never forget, Kevin, pre-pandemic, I was on a conference call. Three of us were remote, and three people were in the office. It wasn't until the 26th minute of a 30-minute meeting that someone in the office said, does anyone on the phone have something to share? We had been excluded the entire time. All right. Because- With visual biases and geographic bias, we tend to listen more carefully to who's in front of us, who we can see. This was a challenge well before the pandemic. Now in our new hybrid world, these are skills that are not only going to be critical when we're commanding the stage in the room with others, but as we have individuals coming in on video screens, listening in on phone, live streaming in. We were actually not as inclusive as we thought we were then when they would just have to listen and not really get to engage. And so, uh, again, I think these skills are critical, whether we're working remotely, whether we are, uh, you know, we had that first face-to-face meeting and we're continuing our relationship digitally, whether we are managing hybrid meetings in our new normal. And the more that we can understand how to flex these muscles, how to adapt and how to think almost like TV show hosts, that are used to bringing in individuals from a screen into for different segments and create that level of engagement. Again, that can feel heavy, but I like to say, whereas commanding a stage face to face is was was a lot about you know performance and like theater. Um, commanding the digital stage is almost more like being a TV show host.
0: Huh. Well, yeah. You talk. Uh, so again, taking this, what it's bringing to me. And why we're doing it, because what it's bringing me is the, the, again, I keep using that word, the gravity that we've got to take, I've got to take, Kevin, have to take the digital communication just as seriously as face-to-face. And in that sense, have more affirmative action because it is different. You use the words, I think it was even in the intro or right at the beginning of one of the chapters or whatever of, and I just wrote down, how do I convey dot, dot, dot? How do I convey? So if I'm sending this, if it's just, you know, yeah, we can meet at five o'clock at the restaurant, whatever, that's pretty basic, not much to convey. But other than that, if there is a feeling back to the emotion that I'm trying to convey, how do I do that? Which you actually go through some examples. I don't know if it's, it's exhaustive in the book, but I pulled it out out of, out of one of the chapters, some examples of how do I say, well, like you said, how do I say I agree? You know, if it was body language did I had that one, right? If it's like, you, you or, or no, you talked about like, if I'm stroking my chin, if you see me, we're yeah. looking face to face. Well, what does that mean? Or how do I convey that feeling digitally?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're stroking our chin, we may be showing active listening mm-hmm. that we're thinking about what someone said. And we're uh, often when we stroke our chin, we tend to lean it to the conversation too. Yeah. So what does that look like in a digital setting? Yeah, yeah. You know, in a text message, it could be immediately liking the text very quickly, showing our engagement. In a video call, it could be writing in the chat something substantive about what someone just shared, instead of just saying, I agree, or just nodding your head, but actively engaging. It could right. be, you know, in, in an email, quickly responding in a way that is thoughtful uh, to what was just shared, and following up with some follow-up ideas. And, and again, these signals look different, but they show up in, in different cues in different channels as well.
0: You know, I, I mean, I'm looking at the stuff cause I pulled it out, of, out of the book, you know, taking a, if we want to give that, I guess I'm, I'm thoughtful about it, taking a few minutes to respond to the text. And it made me think I have, I've literally, I can think of one, I can't think of the exact one, but the, in the past few days where I, I literally texted back, uh, I think I put, uh, uh, dot, 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 uh, let me think a second. Cause I literally, I didn't want them to think that I had gone away necessarily. You,
1: you, I, I, them. you were thinking, yeah,
0: I wanted them to stay engaged. Like, don't go away. So it's probably my wife because she's, she's tend to text something. And then if you don't text right back, she's off to something else. And you're going to hear about her from hours later. And I wanted her to keep her engaged. Cause I want to finish the conversation or whatnot to send back. Yeah. Just literally that, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I've done that with emails. of like, man, give me 30 minutes. And just some of that proactive communication, realizing the person doesn't, yeah, you can't do that. I can't scratch my chin. I can't look thoughtfully over there. All the things that I do so naturally was taught to and learned to from like we can do right now, face, you know, look at each other, at least on, on, uh, on zoom, but you give us the ways to do that. And again, I feel back to, we all have the moral obligation to figure out how to be successful on this digital stage. What do you, again, you said it was not, you didn't like what not relational tools. What'd you say? Relational platform, relational
1: maker, relationship maker, makers,
0: or breakers, makers or breakers. That's so tell, I, I kind of wanted to hit some of the, where are some of the biggest downfalls? And I guess you could say overall, I mean, we could, we could cash it just in business, but is it well, I, I don't know if it's any different. You can tell me if it's any different than what we do in our personal lives as well. But what are some of the, if we take, you know, specifically text and email, and if you want to separate those out, what are some of the biggest uh, mistakes we make? Just some of the biggest, most detrimental, common mistakes that you see that you as the expert here are getting all your texts and emails every day. This is your area of expertise. You're going, ah, yeah, they did that. They did that. Ah, they don't know.
1: Let what, me give you three of the most common please. ones. The the first is being in a rush all the time. Being busy doesn't always mean that you're being thoughtful. Uh, taking that extra second. We... You know, research shows that we're more likely to reward uh, the fastest person to respond back to us in an email or the quickest person to jump in on a video call. And we may not be taking that time to understand. Maybe our introverts uh, need more time to process ideas. Maybe we should have sent an agenda in advance 48 hours before they had time to think about it. And then on the call, Call on everyone or say, I'd love to do it, you know, hear from everyone in this order or in a video call using the chat tool to say, could everyone share their thoughts in the chat first? And then I'm going to call on a few folks that have different perspectives. Simple things like this, again, go a long way. Again, more in that TV show host mindset around truly creating cultures where we feel respected, where we feel heard and where we feel included. And if you're a salesperson that is a natural extrovert and you're selling to an introvert, Knowing how important it is to use digital body language carefully will make or break that sale, especially in a virtual setting. A second one is forgetting to show gratitude, forgetting to show that you actually care. And I'll give you an example, uh, you know, that I shared in the book. Ethan, who is an employee at a company, you know, has a very demanding job. There's a lot of situations where he'd have to stay up late at night to finish a deliverable. And he told me he remembers being in the office, you know, staying up all night, finishing the deliverable. Coming back to the office at 740 AM, delivering that deliverable to his boss, he could see the relief in his boss's face, the smile, the gratitude, the thank you that his boss said as his boss gave it to the senior boss and everyone uh, knew that Ethan had done that hard work. And there was a shared appreciation. Now, in a virtual setting, Ethan stays up all night, he sends the message, right. he may not get even an email back from his boss, he might get an email with a K period or a THX period and right. not feel appreciated, respected or valued. So take that extra step to be explicit, even just the, the power of the handwritten note is important, um, but I even recommend this the quick note. Uh, and if you're someone who can't thoughtfully get back to someone in a deeper way, immediately, even just writing, as you said, Kevin, got it. We'll be back to you tomorrow. That is also respect, especially if people are working very quickly for you. And then one of the most, uh, common, the final third, you know, pet peeve or big risk is, uh, is multitasking. And, uh, and I think that in today's world, there's high levels of, multitasking, it's easier to do, let's be honest, on video calls and on phone calls, we're constantly in front of our screens. And I actually think that having a year of of constant multitasking is really going to affect all of us as we go back to traditional face-to-face body language. Uh, You know, one of my hypotheses that I don't have data on yet is that we're going to look at each other in the eyes less because we spent a year looking at screens. Wow. We're going to look down more at our screens and our phones, especially in hybrid meetings. Um, we will want people to speak in bullet points because we've been reading emails and bullet points. Uh, and this can have major risks. It can cause us to miss lean-ins and conversations. It can cause us to uh, you know, assume that someone is disinterested because... They are so distracted by the the amount of technologies that we've had around us. So I would argue that dig- digital body language is going to reshape our traditional body language, and we have to be thoughtful of that
0: as well. It's well, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, back to where I started off with, and I feel like it's increased this propensity for me to be going along the sidewalk or the trail, which I, I'm doing every day, and and people don't. Well, most of the time they won't make eye eye contact. You know, period. And again, you know, the, the the pandemic I'm sure is made, you know, sometimes they they actually, you know, separate, like move over, but they don't make eye contact. But then when they do, I just, I mean, it's in my, I was, I was drilled into this, you know, you smile. Uh, If you're looking at another person, you smile. And I do that. And how seldom they do. And I've literally, I'll get frustrated and want to stop and go, I'm a human. I just smiled at you. Seriously. You're just going to give me a straight face. And I haven't thought about it in those regards. So this could be somebody who spends the majority, if not all of their time you know, alone, not face to face or just with somebody that they're used to seeing. And that's, you know, they don't have to really, I don't want to say perform, but even emote for, yeah. and they, they're they out of the habit. And again, yeah, especially maybe during this pandemic and they're not really, it's like a, like a wake up. I literally want to have like a sign, like smile, you know, cause I feel, I feel hurt, <laughs> I think. and, yeah, yeah. Talk to one them. of
1: my clients was talking about, uh, you know, her high school daughter who was in the car with her. She was she was driving, and her daughter and her friend were in the back seat, and they weren't talking at all. And it was yeah. like a thirty minute ride. And afterwards, she told her daughter. She said, "Why weren't you talking to your friend?" And she said, "Mom, we were talking. We were texting the entire time because for her generation, talking is texting." And so I again, I think that. Uh, In a similar way that, you know, you and I, Kevin, have probably learned traditional body language in a very different way. And, uh, you know, I may be a bit younger than you, but I also grew up in a world of landlines and how to take a message on a landline and punch cards and making collect calls. There, are, there's a whole generation and they're already 10 years into the workforce that grew up in cell phones and AOL and messenger and and there are different cues and signals. So I think this is a moment for a lot of cross-generational learning where a lot of adapters can teach digital natives how to use traditional body language well and natives can teach adapters some of the new cues and signals of digital body
0: language. Well, you, you talked about, so number three, you know, multitasking. That one is... I would say it's another pet peeve of mine, and it's also difficult. So you and I are here on Zoom, and I'm aware that my camera—if I'm going to look you in the eye—I'm looking at my camera, and I'm not even looking at you. So I'm looking up here. Now I've got you real close, so hopefully it's not too much of a difference.
1: You're pretty good; it's Uh, it's almost not noticeable. Mine is actually a little off. I can, and
0: I can tell. And of course, I know—I know you're aware. But on the multitasking, so if we go to obviously the you know, the hardest one for me is, is being with somebody face to face, you know, whether you're at lunch or talking to them and the propensity to look down at their phone. And I, I feel completely disrespected and I've had it done by, like you talked about the power issue. I've had it done by somebody who may be in more power and probably just as much or more by people who are not like they're there. They kind of want my attention in my business and they're responding to their phone. Like you're kidding me, but they just don't know. And then even take it here, like to a zoom, I kind of want to speak to that. I do spend a lot of time doing these meetings on zoom and I'm really aware. And I think people don't think about it. And I feel guilty sometimes of if I'm not looking at you, cause I'm looking yeah. over here. So right. you and I are talking, I'm trying to do a great show here and to listen to you yeah. and I'm taking notes. So you say something and I'm over here, but I'm thinking you have no idea if I'm doing that or if I'm texting my wife about what we're going to have for dinner tonight. And I, I found myself sometimes even saying that, Hey, just so you know, I'm telling you right now, I'm over here texting the brilliant things that you're saying. So I can comment more on them, not talking to my wife or somebody else over here, but you don't know, I guess is the point. And it leaves That's it up. Right. If I don't talk about it, it leaves that up for misinterpretation. And that happens so much. I see that on zoom calls again, where I don't know, are they looking at a different screen? Are they waving to their dog? Are they listening at all? And I don't know.
1: It's that's exactly right, Kevin. This is this is much harder in a virtual Mm -hmm. setting because, uh, you know, we can leave things up to our own interpretation uh, when we're connecting with others. Uh, You and I may be speaking and I may be taking copious notes on what you just shared, but you may think that I'm responding to an email or, uh, you know, if I am. Looking up multiple times, I may be thinking, you know, and that might also create a level of disengagement with you on a video screen. I, I do I and, do that, Eric. If,
0: if I'm being interviewed, like if you're sitting here asking me yeah. questions, I got to think about it. I'm looking out the window. It's just my habit. and right. you don't know. Right. did he just did I lose him? Yeah.
1: And don't worry, I, 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 <laughs> I knew that and I assume that because of how engaged we are in a back and forth, but right. especially on that, call of 16 people it can be a lot harder even one study showed that even a slight screen delay screen freeze delay can cause others to feel like um that the person on the other side is not as engaged and signal that neurologically in our brain we're used to the fast-paced fluidity and creative flow in a face-to-face meeting so this is a big adjustment for us when it comes to how we perceive others and also brain science and it goes back to you said earlier, it's about, you know, how we say it. And I go back to the Maya Angel quote. It, it's not even just about how we say it, because she said, it's not about what you said, what you did. It's about how you made others feel. Yep. And I think the reality is, is digital body language is, is how we make others feel now.
0: Well, in that I, I'm just sitting here, right. And it feels like an opportunity cost. It's, yeah. uh, or, or it's an opportunity investment. So I can do that. So I can do this thing with you. If let's say if we're doing just a business call. And I am focused on the deal or, you know, the the topic, the whatever, the meeting, whatever. And that's it. I'm not thinking about you. I don't think that I need to think about you because we're just, this is just Zoom. We're here to communicate and, you know, connect A to B for this business thing whatsoever. And I can just do that. And you're going to go away and you could possibly feel nothing. This is neutral. You get that. I get that. We were just sharing that, nothing. Or I can make a misstep and cause you to feel worse. Yeah. or I can take the, what you're showcasing here, take the opportunity and increase and grow a relationship, increase trust, uh, between us that will lead to my own benefit aside from, you know, to be the right thing to make you feel nice as a human being. That's the right thing. But we also right. know reciprocity. I'm going to benefit from that. So you're, you're kind of, I, I feel like I'm going to showcase this book and say, guys, you, you don't have to but you're going to miss an opportunity cost and it's huge it's gigantic yeah. just like what you said with my angela
1: yeah it's not just about productivity uh, you know it is it is about lost profits now that that's the opportunity cost i ran a study that showed that the average office worker uh, is wasting 4 hours per week on poor unclear and confusing digital communication this oh. is a study i ran with a research company called quester and it was just in the last few months. So if you don't think that this matters, think about whether, uh, you know, prospects, customers and clients are going to respond to you if you don't use digital body language carefully.
0: Well, I, and I'm thinking back to what you said, relationship maker, that all this stuff, it's not a communication tool. It's a relationship maker or it can maker or breaker. I think is what you said that it can be. It can be a re- relationship depleter or a grower, but to some extent, maybe, are, are you saying it's just, it's is it, sel- is it seldom neutral? Because that's what would rock most people's world. This is not a neutral platform. We think it is, and you're saying, no, it's gonna go one way or the other.
1: That's right, it is, there's a spectrum. Okay. <laughs> and okay. there may be certain situations that are neutral. Uh, you know, in a corporate culture where everyone's speaking the same language and everyone uses formality, but that's not the norm anymore. And, uh, and it is different. And just like we have different regional dialects and different cultural accents that shape different parts of the world and how we engage with individuals, there are digital body language accents yeah. and dialects. Yeah. And the more that we can be fluent in the ones that matter as we sell lead and market today, the better.
0: Well, it's again, that's why you're on the show. I love the, the topic. Uh, you've opened it up. Uh, you've really opened it up to me. And I, I would like to think that I'm I have been doing well. I'm somewhat aware but not you're a
1: to a master at this, Kevin. Well,
0: you're sweet. But not to this degree and I'm thinking about some things.
1: Except the period you put at the end of the text to me. <laughs> I,
0: I I'm looking at it. It's right here. It's so funny. Um and I do tend to well, most of my texts the, the reality is I I don't I'm not a big phone user. Um I do it I have an iPhone. So I have iMessage on my computer. So if I'm working, which I often am and got a computer, I got a screen. Well, I can type away, man. So I'm doing nuts. And so sometimes I probably lose the nuances of texting because I'm treating it like an email or a document or something like that. And I have been called out for like your dad to do these, dad, this is text, man. This is like three pages. I've even done them sometimes where I'll, I'll bring it, I'll try to do it and it'll go, it's, it'll reject it. Say it's too long.
1: Right. I can't wait to see what my three-year-old daughter tells me a few years about what I'm doing wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for bringing this to the show. I'm eager to give this to everybody because, yeah, I feel like it is a, it is an, well, it's an opportunity possibility, uh, but even more so the, the reality that we're probably, so many of us are hurting our communications. We're hurting trust. We're hurting relationships. And we don't realize it because we look at it as a communication tool not a relationship maker. So I I love it. It's brilliant. Thank you for bringing it to us. Thanks for giving us your time. Uh, I am, uh, I'm the first beneficiary from the Ziggler show. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. It's great to be on the show and I hope everyone will check out digital body language available everywhere.
0: Absolutely. This is one of the most specifically equipping shows I've had in a while. And I'm really eager to spruce up my own digital body language. Again, you can connect with Erica Duan at Erica and her last name spelled D-H-A-W-A-N.com and find her new book, Digital Body Language, wherever you buy books. Coming up in episode 884, I ask to the question, when you sit down in the morning to your work and feel a bit lacking, what do you do? Do you just push forward and slog it out or do you work on motivating yourself? Uh, Tom Ziegler and I drill into the real world application of that motivation of getting our energy and our hope up. It's not always so easy, but something we need to do. Let's hear how some people do it. Till then.